do have tune in to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Tuesday, July 5th. Hope everybody had a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, in the midst of that 4th of July weekend, uh, bombshell news coming out of uh, the Big Ten and uh, Southern California, where USC and UCLA will be joining the Big Ten, words that we never thought we would ever utter in our lifetime. Uh, that will happen in 2024. And naturally, this has set off a a bit of a chain reaction and speculation as to what's going to happen with college football. Uh, will there be uh, a reduced number of conferences? It looks like we're headed that way. Will it be two? Will it be three? I can't imagine it being more than three, and it kind of looks like it's in the direction of two. But, Tim, let me throw it over to you. Uh, everybody is familiar with this story and seems to have an opinion about what's best for Notre Dame and college football, your perspective on it. Yeah, so many things changed with that announcement. Um, a quick digression, I will say, is never would I have expected that until it happened. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Things are always changing, and this just does it right here. <laughs> as soon as USC Big Ten sounds ridiculous, but you're like, yeah, makes sense. More money. They're doing it. Um, no, but for for years and years, and always noted it, you know, you would never imagine something like that. And I I thought one day before USC and UCLA making that decision, that Notre Dame's independence would be safe clearly through 2026, probably from 2026 through 2035 when you're still in the dalliance with the ACC. And now it just seems like after 2026, Notre Dame will be joining one of the two major conferences. Uh, so that is a seismic shift, as you said. I, I never would have, one day before that, I could have not possibly talked to anyone that could convince me that prior to 2026 and probably into 2035 it would happen. Now I would be shocked if it doesn't happen in that nine-year time frame. I, you know, I realize borders have been eliminated, and, and that happened a while back. Yeah. But this is such it's, a it's dramatic it's change. It's like, yeah, all right. It's yeah. just it happened. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Pete Sampson with the uh, Athletic is with us. Your your perspective, Pete. Uh, I echo a lot of what O'Malley said, um, and I go back to a story I wrote probably four years ago where I talked to. Swarbrick and Jimmy Dunn and John Bombers who are like major donors around Notre Dame, just about like the cost of independence, because there's this misconception, no matter how many times I tweet about it or write about it or podcast about it, that Notre Dame makes more money being independent than they do in a conference. And that's just not true. Um, you can twist that a little bit and say like, Oh, maybe they fundraise better because they're independent. Um, certainly Notre Dame is not, uh, you know, not struggling in that department, but Notre Dame would make more money in athletics if they were a full member of the ACC, which is important to sort of get that bird under your brain because the teams in the ACC who are making that money cannot wait to get out of the ACC because they feel like they are not making enough money. So Notre Dame is actually making less than that. Um, and so you get to a point where, okay, instead of leaving $20 million on the table, are you leaving $40 million on the table? Are you leaving $50 million on the table? And I think it's important. This isn't um, necessarily like a, a inside football story, but from a development point of view at Notre Dame, when they're fundraising now, they're fundraising, they're leaning into the fact that athletics is not making the money that it used to relative to the university. In right. the past, the, the athletic department was sort of an ATM for the rest of the university. Now it's, it's not, it's, it's taking money away. So that's just a completely different mindset that's clicked over the last few years. Some people have been quicker to realize it and accept it than others. But when you're, when you have that dynamic happening and the fact that suddenly maybe you could be making an extra $50 million a year on top of what the future of college athletics looks like, that it is a lot to consider and Notre Dame would be foolish not to do that, yeah, not to consider it. No, and no more questions about endowment in dipping into the endowment. It's that's not how university endowments work. That's not going to happen, but just to use some of the numbers that you did Pete in your piece uh, in 2020, the sec generated $54.6 million per school. The big 10 generated 46.1 Notre Dame as a member of the ACC. I believe that's your number, right? The 36.1 million. That's what they got in their one year as, as a, a full member, right. right? Which yeah, was eighty million dollars more than the ACC had ever generated, I believe, yeah, uh, five, because Notre Dame was part of it. Right, five seventy-eight million was the total 
and you wrote 80 additional million. So as an independent, it's less than 36 million per year. Right. Yeah. I think that the NBC <laughs> so, deal is not the lucrative cash cow that maybe it was, or people think that it is. And you can't just, again, I've seen it suggested that you, well, just ask NBC to pay more for the rights. I mean, it's, it's still a business deal. And, and, you know, I don't know, maybe there's some willingness, there would be some willingness to, to bump it up slightly, but it just, again, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work that way. So Nordheim has um, likely a decision to make how soon um, that's kind of, that's difficult to put a finger on, but when news like this breaks and it suddenly becomes, it's on the front burner of everything that's going on in college football, uh, clearly, Jack Swarbrick and the Nordam Athletic Department, the Board of Directors, they've got some decisions to make and a lot of things to consider as as uh, we move forward. You wonder when he and they caught wind of this happening, potentially happening, if it was within 24 hours prior, I mean, if it was a week prior, if he heard a rumbling a month ago and what was put into action behind the scenes because – you know, we can joke all we want about being caught off guard. You want to talk about it. some point a month ago, a week ago, one day before being caught off guard, they were, yeah. they have the the conversation of, whoa. This yeah. My, my instinct would be that it wasn't, you know, okay. They found out 72 hours or 48 hours before the announcement because you're too, I, I mean, but okay, let's say when they well, found out a month before the, you'd still be have the okay, no, moment. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt about happening. it. No yeah. doubt about it. And I would guess that it was closer to that than it would yeah. be two or right. three days. Pete, I don't know what your perspective I, on that would be, but I just know that people in the PAC 12 found out about it as it was reported. So, <laughs> well, you gotta, well, you gotta hide it from them though. You gotta, hide yeah. It. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, it's, I, I mean, there were, there was some speculation talking to people that, you know, that I work with the athletic who are a lot more national. Like there was some rumblings about this, but I'm not, I think it's like, Omel, you maybe said this, but it was like, it was shocking, but not surprising or surprising, but not shocking. I'm not really sure how you want to phrase it. It's like one of those things when it happens, you're like, Holy crap. Yeah. And then three beats later, you're like, Oh yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, I I don't even I got a text out of the blue, and I'm like, what? And I, you know, your first nowadays, I mean, like my first reaction over the last forty years for news like this would be, no, that can't be true. Right nowadays, <laughs> hey, anything guys. anything can can absolutely be true. Two years ago, maybe this week or next, we had a podcast question that wondered if Notre Dame would be playing for the ACC championship before there was any such thing as football being called on for the 2020 season was the most ridiculous thing I've ever read on the message board. And it happened. And Kyron Williams was the ACC's freshman of the year. None of that was happening (laughs) on our device too, as a sophomore, I might add. Yeah. So really a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff can happen in college football these days. We've got questions in the second segment on this, uh, but I I wanted to, to dip away from that. And throw out five names for you that became very familiar in a six-day span, and that is uh, 2024 wide receiver Cam Williams, 2023 offensive uh, lineman Charles Degusa, 2023 defensive back faster than hell with the football in his hands, Micah Bell, uh, 2023 wide receiver Rico Flores, and then on, um, on 4th of July, Christian Gray, the cornerback, uh, became verbal commitment number five for Notre Dame in a six-day span. A pretty, we got a question on that. I don't think I included it for you guys, but I'm going to read it um, uh, a little bit later about how that compares to when Holtz was gathering talent. But that is one hell of an impressive group of of football players uh, verbally pledged to Notre Dame. It sure right. is because Pete, they also hit needs. But it wasn't needs like, hey, we, we got Jay Brunel. We got a wide receiver. It was they hit needs across the board. Um, Cam Williams is the future, of course, but with Flores and then Gray. And then Bell, who I just love as an athlete, he's going to help somewhere in one of those positions of need. And speed is always a need. It was, uh, and I like Jagusa more than I like the previous tackle prospects, whether I'm correct or not for the 2023 Hall. So it's high four-star talent addressing needs is pretty much what recruiting is supposed to be. Uh, it is Jagasaw, which I, Jagasaw, I've been, thank I, you. I've been calling okay. him Jagusa yeah. for about six months. Yeah. But, so the uh, emphasis I, is I on the last syllable. Yeah. Jagasaw. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, I mean, I think that the trends here, they have six top hundred prospects committed. It's the first since 2011. Their point total in the 24-7 composite team rankings is the highest since 2013. If they get Jaden Greathouse later this month, it will surpass the 2013 class, uh, which means that they will have out-recruited anything Brian Kelly put together in his 12 years, which is really, really significant. Um, you know, Brian Kelly's recruiting operation is something we've talked about for years here. Um, so that's that's a big part of it. Um they uh, they continue to take big big swings, and Marcus Freeman knows how to sell Notre Dame. Um, so it's you're you're it is still a long way away from peak peak Holtz, um, but I think that you at least got to go back to like the Charlie Weiss era when you know they signed the Floyd Rudolph Christ the killer class. Yeah, yeah. I mean Notre Dame can do this. Um, if they have a very, very engaged head coach um, and they have one right now in recruiting. It's, I mean, it's just amazing how recruiting is on the front burner every day, every day. Yeah. Um, And of this group, I mean, I think, you know, we are just starting to see what Cam Williams is going to be able to do. Um, right. He's almost, I, he's hard to put into this. Uh, yeah. He, you know, you're rank, ranking later good. on in this podcast, he's yeah. good, but he's going to be a lot better. I DeVaris Daniels is a, is a, is a, I, I don't, he's going to be a junior in high people, school. So yeah. People rank, want, rank. I, people want comparisons and, and I, I get that and I want to make comparisons, but I don't like to do it if I don't feel comfortable in making that kind of comparison, but I think um, he has some of those abilities. I went up to for his commitment thing um, at the high school and talked to his coach for a while and sort of asked him a little bit about comparisons. Um, and the one he was like, you know, I really have a hard time with that too. Um, but he said, he reminds me a little bit of like Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, just a, on the shorter side. I mean, Laquan Treadwell was like six, five, but right. in terms of body control and explosion, uh, very unique set of skills there. Yeah, you know, I, I I think Absher or Jagasaw end up at right tackle, and the other one probably has to move inside. I, I don't. I mean, I I don't I don't know. I, I think Jagasaw is the tackle, but you know, I don't know that there's a hugely significant difference between him and Sullivan Absher. So. Those are good. Right. Those they, are good yeah, prospects. They, they really like Sullivan Absher too. Yeah. I was just saying I like him a little more than Sullivan Absher more than right. That's and that's that's which, the way I feel too. I got you know we had somebody definitely. we were asked a question who's faster Michael Bell or or uh, Chris Tyree, and I know the ninety six. I saw the ninety six. <laughs> Michael Bell is faster. I think he's I, he is. We went over this. On he the, is and, phenomenally. Pete has Tyree, Explosive. you have Bell, and I have Chris Tyree, uh, his indifferent look at you when you ask him who's faster, he or Michael <laughs> Bell, when he shows up on campus. Because... Well, he doesn't. I, I'm sure he hasn't gauged Michael Bell yet. So whatever. <laughs> Extremely fast. And I just find Michael Bell to have a gear that, wow. I mean, it's really, really impressive. For people wondering, uh, when we talked to Jaden Mickey, he said he was the pro- he thinks he's the fastest player on the team because he always has been the fastest player and he doesn't see why not. And we jokingly told Chris Tyree that, and he just gave us this look of like, all right, all right, man, you know, like, <laughs> but it wasn't like it was, he wasn't offended. He was just no. indifferent. He, he was, was just indifferent. Here he is. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, Rico Flores, I, I, I don't see a, a, a huge catch radius, you know, but I, but I, I love, I love everything about his vibe and his body language on the yeah. field. I want him the way I put it was, I want that guy to be my teammate. I want him on right. my team when I go to war on Saturday. I'm going to save this. For, I should save this for later, but I like him the most as a football player, even if not everything you look for in a modern dominant wide receiver is there. Like catch radius is obviously a huge one because we say though, we used to joke at that term a little bit when Diaco would say it 12 years ago, but then think about what football's become on the outside. Oh, it, is, it is catch radius. It's chase Claypool. Absolutely. It's those type of and then you go, and then you go to the next level of play and it's that much more yeah. important. And I just, you know, lastly, Christian gray, I think is a really mature, physically mature, mature football player. That's going to make significant impact. Wrapping up segment one, we're told that a choice of Notre Dame baseball coaches could be close. Um, 
we've thrown out those names. We're going to move on to segment two. You should be familiar with them on irishillustrated.com. Uh, more on that as it uh, as it transpires. Coming back, burning up the board, segment two. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Sweet Lou Corduroy. Of the five commitments over the last week, who do you believe will be the best player? And who do you think is the most important to the program at this moment? Um, Bell is my most important to the program at this moment because of the athleticism and speed he brings, in my mind, still positional versatility as well. And as much as they need receivers, one of them's not coming for two years. So I am going, I am going with Bell as the most important. I would go with Jagasaw as the best and Flores is the most important because again, yeah. there there's the whole no receivers thing, which is not good. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think if I had to choose the best, I would say Christian gray first and then Charles Jagasaw second. Uh, and in, in line with what O'Malley's saying is, as with regard to Micah Bell and the speed and the athleticism, look, that's what's preventing Notre Dame from beating the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the Ohio States. Um, so that's where I would, that's where I put him. I really like Flores when we're ranking bests in the future, but I know that's projecting, uh, past some things he needs, but I really really like his game and his yeah, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned about separation downfield he his get off is tremendous um but then strength getting that is really good strength is really good too he's now it's good and and so is it you know i mean he he his his cutting ability his route running there's a lot of good things really good things about him um you know and he i mean is he Braylon James, no, he doesn't have that kind of catch radius. I don't, I would, you know, probably rank him. I would rank him mm -hmm. behind Jane Greathouse too, if he ends up at Notre Dame. But uh, no, Flores is, Flores is, I think Gray is the most accomplished player right now of the group. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that right, right at this moment. Next from Wilms one. It seems most people are high on Tyler Buckner's potential going into the season, but at the same time worried that his playing style, that of a frequent and fearless runner, is conducive to injuries without elite level play behind him. How do you think the staff will try to use him? How would you use him? You know, we always, we talked about this, especially in the last year or two with Ian book, you know, there, there are games where you need to, you need to try to pull back and not use him as, um, as aggressively in the running game. Now, you know, you can say like, you can look at, you can look at Marshall and Navy and UNLV those are games maybe where you reduce his running. I think a lot of people would say, well, you could against Cal and Syracuse. Those are better defenses than you think. That, and Syracuse and I think is on the road. You better go get that win. However, you can yeah. go get that win and move yeah. on with life. But I don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't think you can, excuse me, Pete. Uh, I don't think you can, you can't go into this thinking, well, we can't let Tyler Buckner be injured. You have to make some adjustments and some accommodations, but you got to play your offense. And so I don't think, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that that's at the forefront of Notre Dame's concerns every time he takes the field. I mean, are you concerned that he tripped on the stairs? Like well, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with like. Concern's right? not the right word. Of course yeah. you're concerned about yeah. it. I, I don't think that you alter you i mean look you bet you wanted you wanted tyler buckner you, you you got him you were thrilled now it's his turn you got to let him be tyler buckner i think that uh 
the offense, if they do a lot of like quad option stuff where, you know, there's the running back option, there's the jet sweep option, there's the throw it option, there's, and then there's the quarterback run option. In theory, he's only getting hit on one of those. Um, and what Ian book, you're, you're averaging about 10 carries a game. I think that's reasonable. Um, and then you say, Hey, why don't you get out of bounds a little bit opposed to lowering your shoulder and trying to run over somebody like that. Those are, you can't, you can't do a lot more than that um, to protect a guy. No, but I, I do think you could protect him uh, schematically and in the plan against uh, Marshall and UNLV and probably Navy. Um, I think he might be leading rusher against Ohio state though. Yeah, no, I, well, it's uh, a, it, well, I think he may have the most carries against Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, that would be great though, if he also well, it's had probably the key most that he becomes yards. a leading rusher because he, he needs to uh, he needs to make some plays with his legs too, just to, to open yeah. everything up for the for the pass and everything else that's going into that game. Uh, yeah, it. I don't want to compare him to Wimbush, but remember when Wimbush was obviously not either chose not to run or was told not to run against Ball State? How bad the offense looked. Um, right. He's a better passer than Wimbush was at that point in his career because Wimbush was mentally out of it throwing the ball, but. It does. You, you still got to run a little bit to open things up, you, a little. But you know, as the game wears on, if you're up twenty-one to three on these teams, you are not running Tyler Buckner. You are asking him to complete second and ten passes, not set you, not set you up for third and four. I'm going to uh, slip a question here, guys. That you don't have. It's from Irish from A2. Who would you rather have back on the roster for the Ohio State game, Kyron Williams or Kevin Austin? Kyron Williams, because I know exactly what I'm getting. Exactly what I'm getting. The best player on the field for Notre Dame. Can't argue I, that. For, you know, yeah. I think six months ago, I would have said Austin. Uh, but then with the dig shoulder, Price, Achilles. Oh, yeah. That's part of it. <laughs> that that moves it to Kyron Williams. Um, but I, it, man, it, to win the game, you needed both, and they have neither. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if you, you get the Purdue Kevin Austin, you're not getting the, it's, you're not getting well, for sure. Yeah. A situation that he's not a dude. Now, that's true. I, these kind of questions, I mean, you know, these are fun, and, and that's why sure, it's included. Sure. Um, but, you know, I mean, one game, one game. I mean, over the course of the season, over the course of the 2022 season, and, and fully agreeing with what you're saying, O'Malley, about how good Kyron Williams is, for the course of a season, Notre Dame needs Kevin Austin more. I, I mean, a lot. I don't know yeah. if it's more, a lot. I, imagine if Kevin Austin was in on this receiving court. We would be. look I at want, it. I want the dog against Ohio State, though. I want that dude against Ohio State. The question is Ohio State. I want that dude. Yeah, okay. Question is Ohio State. Fair enough. The next question is from Don Lee, uh, three, four, three, four, three, four. Who gets the most, do we answer everything in that? Yeah, I guess we did. Who, who gets the most defensive snaps among Jaden Mickey, Philip Riley and Ryan Barnes. Although we are projecting Pete Sampson, I am well-versed in answering this question because I wrote counting down the Irish previews on all three of these guys, which Makes it a lot of fun in the offseason to write consecutively about the backup corners. But uh, Jaden Mickey, um, I think, will exceed the snaps combined of Riley and Barnes. And I think Barnes is second behind Mickey. You mentioned you were writing about backup corners. I think there's only two backup corners listed in this question. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I wrote about Clarence Lewis, too, if you want to go that far. Yeah. And and I think, uh, no, I think, I think Tim has Bracey. I don't recall the Bracey write up. So. I, Mickey in a blowout is the answer. Do you to, think, uh, you, think he's going to, you think he's going to start because of the Ohio State game, or you think uh, he's just going to start? Organically? I think I think he will start organically at some point this season. Um, not saying week one, but I think I think he'll get some starts. Yeah, you know, I, I think Philip Riley's third on on this list. Um, For reference, Pete and listeners, Riley was fifty fifth in our countdown. Barnes was forty first, and Mickey was thirty three with Lewis 27 who just appeared and Tim and I will have a three, two, one somewhat similar to this topic coming up in video. Yeah, I would agree. It's Mickey. I mean, I, I still like Barnes. I still, I think Barnes has a good future with Notre Dame, but Jaden Mickey came in and, uh, and turned everybody's head. Um, and, you know, when people ask, you know, what are you hearing about guys and this, you know, Jaden Mickey, we hear about all the time. 
um, Tobias Merriweather, I'm hearing about all the time. You know, these are young players that come in and, and, you know, granted, like we've said, I mean, there's no track record of failure. So any, right. anything, you know, anything positive is really, really positive, but those are two guys that, you know, undoubtedly are going to play a significant role for Notre Dame this, this fall. Denver Maximus, does Notre Dame have the players in the secondary to go man to man with the Buckeyes receivers on an Island? We can stop on this part of the question, but I'll keep going. <laughs> Last year, Michigan left their secondary one-on-one and pressured the Buckeyes with multiple blitzes, throwing off their potent offense. What else does Notre Dame need to do? Um, the Iowa part is not the best. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who, who. Yeah. You know, it remains to be seen. I know it's going to be a very good receiving core for Ohio State, but there's a lot to prove compared to the, the group that they had last year. Well, yeah, those <laughs> I mean, well, I'm just saying, I, you know, it's, it is the case. You're right. That's, that's, um, you know, I go man to man on an Island with Ohio state wide receivers. I, and the point, the point about Michigan is fair. Aiden Hutchinson was unstoppable in that game. And they also had a, I believe the 31st over Michigan had the 31st overall pick in the NFL draft at, uh, at safety or corner. So you know, I, look, I hey, I don't know if you were aware of this, Tim. I don't remember if it was Lindy's or Athlon, but they did list. Um, didn't they list Notre Dame secondary in the top 10 or? or it was Athlon's somebody. list. Yeah. Uh, no, Lindy's listed them fourth. Fourth. Okay. That's high. Yeah. I think Athlon yeah. had. Oh, yeah. I know what it was. It was. I'm getting off topic yeah. here. I know the linebackers is what you said have been underrated. Yeah. I think they had, had them. Ten. I think I'm 10th. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I think it's the Rose Bowl happened. Uh, Olave and Wilson opted out of it, and CJ Stroud threw for 573 yards and six touchdowns. Jackson Smith and Jigba had 15 catches for 347 yards and three scores. Marvin Harrison Jr., you remember his dad, had six catches for 71 yards, three touchdowns. Emeka Buga, who was a five star prospect, three for 46. Julian Fleming, also a five star prospect, five for 35. So, it's it's just not a good matchup for anybody. That's my point is that, I mean, man-to-man against Ohio State whiteouts on an island, that's a losing proposition for virtually everybody. Plus, it's like not it's not part of the plan, so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, that's true. And, and I, and I get not why part of the defensive I mean, plan. I get why the questions asked because Michigan had so much success against them. That's a little bit. I mean, that's just a, a, a rivalry game where Michigan had to win that game. I know that's a feeling every year. I, I just, uh, you know, Nording won't put themselves in that situation frequently. Right. I just like the Michigan game also happened. Michigan won. CJ Stroud threw for 394 and two touchdowns. <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigba had 11 catches for a buck 27. Wilson had 10 for 119. Olave had seven for 88. I, it does help that Wilson and Olave are not there, no matter how we talk about it, though. Oh, there's no doubt. If they were back, there would be a massive, massive Notre Dame's best pass defense against Ohio state is the Michigan rush game. If you can rush for 41 for 297 and six touchdowns. Totally. Yeah, actually that yeah. was like, what more, I think what else does Nordic need to do? Well, stopping the run would be, or slowing it down would certainly out of be. body experience with your run game. Yeah. Yeah. Which could happen. I mean, Nordic has got a, they got a quality front front wall uh, on, on defense and, and Ohio state, they have some things to prove on the, on the offensive line. They, they're despite what Henderson did for them uh, last year, they, they struggled at time. So a uh, question from F J cat, Notre Dame's recruiting has been outstanding at this point, but, but did Tommy Reese and company make a mistake when it comes to Chris Vizina and Micah tease? It's tough to say mistake for Vizina because it was a choice, right? And things evolved along the way with Dante Moore. That made it a poor choice, but it doesn't mean it was a poor choice at the time. Yeah, that would be a, a major uh, second guess on the Zena because like, if you have a five-star quarterback who you like, and Dante Moore, who says I'm coming to Notre Dame, yeah. I don't know how you the the play there from a recruiting point of view is like 
haha, we're actually going to go with this other guy who we don't like as much, who also wants to come to Notre Dame. Like that, that just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, Micah Tease is a good player, but I, Notre Dame's recruiting this cycle, I think is going to have a ton of good players. So he's like, he's just, he, I, I hesitate to say he's just a guy, but with Great House, Hannafin, likely to come on board with Flores and Braille and James. Micah T's sort of is just a guy. Yeah, I I generally agree with that. I don't I hesitate to say Micah T's just a guy, but the group that you have, I, I understand where you're coming from when yeah. when you say that, Tim. Let's put it this way on T's as just a guy compared to the group. In 2021, when Notre Dame lost Deion Colsey, he was an absolute must get back no matter what and they got him back and they absolutely had to get him back if Deion Colsey just decommitted to this class he would not be a 100% absolute just get back when you think they could go get great house and what they have now you would want him back because then he would be your fourth receiver recruited in the class it would be great to have Deion Colsey come back but that's kind of how I look at the just a guy versus the need I don't think tease is just a guy either but he's just a guy compared to what Notre Dame has been doing this cycle Right. Question from TJ from PA. Tell us what you prefer to see Notre Dame do regarding independence versus conference affiliation rather than what you think they will do. Tim talked about this question prior, so I'm not sure if he wants to go first or last. No, I, I, no, you go first. Okay. Uh, rather what I, I would like, what I think they will do is different because I like independence and it would be fun and I can make a whole schedule for you and, Monday Musings talked about independence, but things change. And what I would like is not in the best interest of Notre Dame anymore in the new college football landscape, assuming everything breaks down where the tea leaves are leading us. Tea leaves lead you somewhere? Yeah, they do. Okay. They can. They can. can. Sometimes they mislead you. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think that Notre Dame will eventually join the Big Ten. Um, I think it will be okay. I think it will be very lucrative. And I I mean, I wrote this in my editorial, like joining the big 10 now versus in what, 1999, like the West coast of the big 10 back then was Minneapolis or Iowa city. Now it's Los Angeles, (laughs) the East coast of the big 10 back then, I think was state college. Now it's New New York city and Washington, DC. So it's like, it's a national conference. You're a national school. The fit actually is good now. Um, and I hope that the Big Ten can grab Oregon, Washington, and North Carolina to go with Notre Dame and make it a 20-team conference that I think would just – it would be incredibly entertaining to watch and not feel like Notre Dame was in a, in a conference. Mm-hmm. It would just have a really good schedule all the time. Wouldn't uh, the Big Ten want to grab Duke too for basketball purposes? I mean, probably is a throw-in, I would think. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it's a I mean, throw-in basketball-wise, but I... Well, I, so, I mean, football drives the bus, right? No, like, I, I know. It's I like know, with Stanford. Like, I, it would be great if the Big Ten would join Stanford. I also have... I, I can understand why the Big Ten would be like, Stanford, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> Where are they? So, yeah. <laughs> Only Wisconsin would be like, oh, yeah, Stanford. They were good a while ago. We actually yeah. have a question coming, coming uh, involving that. But st- as far as Stanford... Uh, in the big 10, but I, I, you know, I mean, I, what I want, what I prefer for Notre Dame as the question is phrased is what's in the best interest of Notre Dame. And I have a lot of confidence that Jack Swarbrick will make the the best decision for Notre Dame as far as, I mean, so that's why I think Notre Dame will join the big 10. Um, I prefer what's best for Notre Dame. Like you would prefer they stay an independent, but that's, that doesn't appear to be, it's not viable or sustainable down the road. So it's just, it's worth like, there's not a reason to rush into this. If you're Notre Dame, Um, you know, sort of see what the big 10 is thinking, like negotiate with them on it and then come to a decision. But uh, if, if you can still, schedule your way to like a competitive college football playoff schedule. If there's even access to the college football playoff. Well, there is for four can, years. There is yeah, for four you, years. So. And you can afford to be independent, which I'm, 
skeptical Notre Dame can afford to be independent. Now I'm just talking like from a budgetary point of view, not right. like a Ford in a big sense. So that um, then you, then you go from there. But um, I think the big 10 makes a lot of sense now. Related question from cuffs 408 Would the big 10 take Clemson for football or prefer Stanford for academic reputation. I think they would take Clemson for football first. Me too. They're going to get Notre Dame for their academic reputation. They can talk about Notre Dame and Northwestern forever. <laughs> Pete, and Duke, what, getting Duke what, apparently. Duke's going to the Yeah, bank. Duke's a throw in. <laughs> now, I, I think that Clemson would – Clemson, Miami, Florida State to the SEC makes a lot of sense. Uh, and yeah. Then, yeah. While we're talking Go about from this, there. I mean, you know, I, and there's also – well, it'd be great if Notre Dame – on in from some perspectives it'd be great if notre dame could stay with the acc but the acc is in trouble yeah it is <laughs> you want to elaborate on that no i mean like what pete said i mean clemson florida state and miami have one thought in their mind right now right it's more than their name has more than one thought in their minds those three teams have one those three a university have one thought in their minds their athletic programs want to go to jump on board a gravy train <laughs> all right play, place odds on Notre Dame joining the sec low <laughs> but five percent yeah it's, okay. really, it's I, like I, you I, leverage you leverage the big 10 by having the threat of the sec it's similar when they did the acc in 2012 like there was talk about oh big big twelve um, yeah you know, big, it's like, right as if that made any sense at all but like Man. it's there and you make sure that the ACC yeah. knows that it yeah Notre Dame joining the SEC is uh, extremely unlikely we do have we do have some Notre Dame fans and subscribers that think Notre Dame should do that which which shows a uh, a bit of confusion about what Notre Dame is and. Well, it probably shows a distaste for the Big Ten too, and and not not putting uh, and probably putting football only first is what the uh, that opinion is, right? It like People. the re- on the reasons to not join the Big Ten. If you use fielding Yoast, like I've I'm stopped. I do I no longer listen <laughs> to what you have to say. Yeah. Like that's it. <laughs> I know some people actually feel that you way, can... but I'm like, come on, it's 2022. Fielding Yoast denied Notre Dame. Entrance into the Big Ten a hundred years ago. What? Yeah, no, you can't. He did uh, him a favor, and I no, and I and I think it is a good point. <laughs> Didn't he do them a favor? Didn't mm-hmm. Philly well, he did. He he did, but I think it's <laughs> universally true. There's no fighting that off. They're better yeah. off. They won and eleven I, national titles since he denied them entrance into the yeah. Big Ten. <laughs> and I and I realize that I, I understand the attitude that people have toward the Big Ten, but you're just you're probably just going to have to change the way you view things. You can it's still, not the Big Ten either if you have USC and UCLA in there. No, no, North that's Carolina, the whole point. North Carolina, North Carolina, and Duke in the Big Ten. So when they do ACC Big Ten Big Monday, it's going to be just playing each other. Yes, it's called, it's called Big Ten Conference games. Good foot, it's good football and good basketball. Like that's just, what we want to watch. I just, I Duke. I, I would think the Big Ten absolutely wants Duke for basketball. Well, the ACC has to fold if that happens. If Duke basketball leaves the ACC along with North Carolina basketball, no, I mean, we're, so what happens if? I mean, Florida State's going to the SEC. Miami's going yes. to the SEC. As well, they should. Clemson's going to the SEC. Now, as what well, do you have? Now, what are you preserving in, in the ACC? Yeah, I guess they already had their 10-part special. That was really entertaining, but it's going to be antiquated soon. It's yeah, kind of like the right. rec room for the Big East. Uh, yeah. uh, you, I'll take Stanford. Priester, you take Duke. We'll get to 22 teams in the Big Ten. So there'll be Oregon, Washington, Stanford, North Carolina, Duke, Notre Dame. Like, come on. I mean, you're We, certain, we all want to watch this, right? Yeah, yeah we do want to right. watch that. Yeah. A uh, question from Wake Em Up 408. Which do you think is most likely? A, playoff expansion, B, more regular season games, or C, conference tournaments leading to playoffs or national championships? A. Okay. Yeah, A. Uh, yeah, before, any, before any of this happened, that, that, was, that yeah. was still the choice, right? Yeah. I don't think that. 
you don't want to go more regular season games. No, I get the point is you have more teams in your conference, but you just don't, you can't play them all anyway. Yeah. And, and the way we look the way we look at conferences in terms of football, playing other right. football schools, it's going to be way different. This, would be I, I wrote this in, there are so many layers to what's going to happen over the next four years. Like somebody said, well, this is Nord will drop Navy, right? That That's so far down. Yeah. That's so well far down the, the, the number of layers on what's going to happen. That if, you, if you keep a 12 team, if you keep 12 regular season games and you kind of have to with conference turn, if you keep 12 regular season games, what do you think two large conferences and have nots will allow, well, the two large conferences allow one game out of conference or two. Yeah. That's like, that's something that if you're Notre Dame, you really got to be on guard against is like, okay, the big 10 wants to play 10 conference games now. Well, you got USC. So you're, you're not, there's goes one. Yeah. You, you live life without Stanford. If you want to or not, again, they may I mean, not have a choice. It's not, it, it, yeah. it we're past the point of preference. It's a Notre Dame independence has always been preference. Plus your West coast trip in Pete and Tim's big 10 includes a possible trip to USC, a possible trip to UCLA, a possible trip to Washington and Oregon for the end of the I'm year. I'm all for it. Right. No, that, and I'm saying they would be too. That's your West coast trip. That's part of your yeah. exposure West. So Stanford becomes less of a uh, partner, a necessary partner in this. They already are. I mean, you can't always guarantee like, your scheduling USC. You say like, I like the Stanford game. It has not been played for a hundred years. Like, yeah, exactly. You That's know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. a, I think some people think it's like, Oh, this is a, tra- it's not really a tradition, it, but it's, it's a I, I enjoy it. I, yeah, it's a convenient it's a recent matchup. Lovely convenience. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Let me slip in a, a question here for you guys. Uh, ND one Oh one, two, actually it's for me. Uh, Tim P how would you compare recruiting under Marcus Freeman to Holtz in the late eighties and nineties? Well, you don't have the question, Tim. You couldn't ask it. I had That's to ask true. it. I had I, to ask uh, it of myself. I wrote a story on how the 1990 class came together a couple of years ago. It's yeah. like a signing day story, which was like a hell of a fun story to report out talking to those guys. Um, I think that uh, Notre Dame was like it back then. Yeah. Not in a way they are now. Um I mean, they were like Alabama. They were now they were like USC in the Pete Carroll era. Like they were the school where they could just snap their fingers and kids would come running to visit. Um, I remember talking to you remember Kevin Carter played for Florida. the Rams. Yeah, Florida. Yeah, huh? yeah Florida. Yeah. I was talking to him for a story on the Sugar Bowl, and he was he was like, you know, I took an official visit to Notre Dame, and that was my second school. And I was like, really? And he took an official visit. There were four guys in that weekend. It was Kevin Carter, Tyrone Wheatley, Devin Bush Sr., and Derek Brooks. And they didn't get any of them and still signed like a top one or two class. I mean, that was that was the level they were recruiting at back then. And um, I don't I don't think that it's possible for them to recruit at that level now. Because they're not the only game in town. College football is much more spread out. But I don't think anyone can recruit at that level now, though. I don't even think Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State can have those four guys come in, not get any of them, and have a top one or two class. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I, just, Hall of just Famer, Alabama. Yeah. 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 Just Alabama and Georgia could do it. Um, and that's, that's like a list of two, really. Right. Yeah. In, in accordance with uh, this question, there there are other questions about: Have you ever seen a week like that in Notre Dame recruiting? Did it? it I mean, it wasn't as like those five commitments in six days. That just didn't happen coincidentally. That was it was orchestrated, right? Right, like that. that of course. Yeah. I mean, so hey, I, he's going to commit this day. How about you commit the next day, and 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 on and on. So uh, there were no surprises with any of that. Whereas it wasn't. You know, it wasn't that well orchestrated. But before I start making any comparisons to Lou Holtz's recruiting classes, let the record show that in 93, there were four first-round draft choices. And in 94, there were three more. He had seven first-round draft choices in a in a two-draft span. So do I think that Keon Keeley and a lot of these guys are going to be very good and have a chance to be number ones? Yeah, but... Let's uh, let's wait to see how they're developed at Notre Dame before we we say that. I, I have to digress here because I'm bothered by Pete's segue. Um, Derek Brooks, 
Derek Brooks could have come to Notre Dame. I, that's the one name I never heard of coming to Notre Dame. And I wanted you to ask you, Tim, if you think Derek Brooks could have started over Goheen Bursich or Anthony Peterson <laughs> on the 93 Irish, because I'm kind of envisioning a couple of national titles on the 92 and 93. Team. I, uh, I think they, they could have probably gotten them. I don't know, 10 or 12 snaps. I don't even want to. Uh, there's two, I'm glad there's only two questions left because you're going to lose me. I'm just off in a different world right now after that one. I knew about Kevin Carter. I did not know about Derek Brooks. MTFL Smitty with a pedestrian question compared to our last one. Can you explain why some schools recruiting classes are so late to officially form? Many of the powerhouses add two-thirds of their classes late. I presume this is a tactic to the detriment of kids to optimize the class. They're recruiting five-star players, and five-star players are... desired more than anybody else, especially now in the NIL era, those guys will probably, you know, hold out and maximize. Uh, I I mean, I don't think this is a, this is necessarily the, the school taking advantage of the player. I I think it's, it's, it's what happens when you're recruiting five-star players. You don't just snap them up early in the process. Some do, but not, you know, a large portion of them. That's why, that's why the front runners are the front runners. It's there are some parts of the country where kids are just more inclined to wait. California, the West coast is, is one of the big ones. Um, I don't know what the reasons are for that, but it's sort of, you, if you're recruiting the West coast, you know, those kids wait a little bit longer. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a, a detriment to the kids or the programs, but if you can get your work done early, you want to, but it's not, it's not like Alabama is waiting um, to get a bunch of commitments because they want to. They're still trying to convince those guys to come. Right. And what's happening in Notre Dame is because Marcus Freeman is a Pied Piper and he's just generated this much enthusiasm. That's why they're, they're lining up and, and verbally committing, uh, you know, so readily now. I, will he be able to do that every year? I, you know, I don't know, but he has generated – and the program has generated so much interest and done such an f- amazing job of recruiting them that they're, they're getting in line. Yeah. No, I mean, Notre Dame is, they often have a lot of early commitments. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's the nature of Notre Dame. If you like it, you know, you don't need to wait to figure that out. Um, so that's, this question may be asked and like, how come these are different than Notre Dame? It may say more about Notre Dame than it does everybody yeah. else. We're going to wrap up with a question from play like a champ seven. If you could pick five opponents, the Notre Dame would play every year. Who would they be? Or if you could make Notre Dame schedule for one season, what would it look like? My five opponents are USC, Michigan, Texas, either Georgia or Tennessee and alternating to, uh, you know, home and home situations where you kind of move them onto the schedule and a road game against Hawaii every year. Every- I, had, I had some overlap there. I had USC, Michigan, and Texas. Uh, I kept Navy on there for historical significance. And then then I would just sort of have a rotating um, Ohio State, A&M, Alabama, Florida. I, it yeah. makes no difference. To me. You, wanna, you yeah. want a power team, but like a home and home, don't you think? Home so and you home. get to do both. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, that'd be good. I mean, I, I USC, absolutely. Um, Michigan, absolutely. Um, although I wasn't, I wasn't broken up when that series, you know, I, I, it was always tough with during the Holtz era when you would open the season with Michigan or it'd be the second yeah. game of the yeah. year. Was, My goodness. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, from an academic standpoint, I would like to see Stanford stay on the schedule. I wouldn't mind Northwestern being mixed in. I don't know if you, you talk about every year. Uh, but then some of the heavyweights that you guys mentioned, Tennessee is so fun. Tennessee is such a fun place to go <laughs> see play. And Texas is the atmosphere there is great. Um, Plus there's, you know, you get into Texas that helped Marcus Freeman could capitalize on that. But I absolutely, can you imagine if Nordane was playing LSU this regular season? No, oh, that would be great. That would be incredible. I, <laughs> can I mean, you imagine? What are they open with? LSU? How about at, at Notre Dame? LSU at Notre Dame. <laughs> well, that would opener. be that would be a better crowd than the Miami '88 crowd by far. People would lose their minds in that game. I would I'm trade sure. a lot for that game to happen. I would trade. I would trade my annual trip to Hawaii. I've just set up. 
for Notre Dame. I'm sure the fans would be, you know, cordial and forgiving of Coach Kelly. As oh, my gosh. I, oh, my gosh. The shirts, yeah. everything. The whole thing would be <laughs> – it would be the old day. You would – political correctness would be gone. There'd be me. It would be incredible. It would be an amazing scene. Imagine, like, the how defaced the Brian Kelly statue would be before that came. <laughs> the one that I commissioned? Yes. yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> like made of toothpicks or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it for today's Irish Illustrated Insider. Once again, we have a conflict. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but I have a conflict on Monday of next week. So um, we're going to have to push it into uh, early next week. I don't know what your guys' schedule is right now, but we're looking at uh, uh, July 12th, somewhere around there before we we hit the podcast. And, of course, as, as football opens, uh, spring, or, uh, fall practice opens in August. Right. We still don't have a day. People ask about that. I promise you that when we get a schedule from Notre Dame, we will share that with everybody. And they are not late. This is the par for the course. They will not have one in the right. next two weeks right. either. So I was yeah, August fifth is what I was told for. Is it August? Yeah, it makes yeah. way too much Friday. sense. I actually I did way I too did much hear August fifth. Yeah. yeah, morning practice a, uh, August fifth. Yeah, that's a what they are. But people want to know what day practice access are and how many periods we have. Pete, go anything else? <laughs> no. It's all open, the whole thing. I, I, this yes. is something we've talked. Yeah, right. We, this is something we talked about uh, maybe earlier this year, but we are anticipating. I'm anticipating that our access to practices going into Marcus Freeman's first game of 2022 with Ohio State. It's it's going to be limited. That makes yeah, I, I, down the I road. put it on our board. I put that on our board. Yeah, uh, could be a one off, and yeah. we should maybe mention that. Uh, Maybe they can front load our access before they actually get into Ohio State game planning so we can see a fair amount. And then by the time training camp ends, it can be zipped up. That would be kind of cool, too. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. You, you, um, our listeners will be the first to know. Our, actually, our subscribers will be the first to know. Then our listeners on our podcast uh, will be made aware of it. There's my little plug. I got one in. Haven't had one there in a while. Thank you very much for joining us for Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll tune in again next week. Thank you.